Good to see everybody. I want to welcome you again to Seacoast Church. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Josh Thorat. I serve as lead pastor here at the church, and uh, we're excited to worship together with you, and uh, excited if you're in a, the chapel joining us or at one of our campuses or on the internet, we want to welcome you as well. Excited about our, our extended church family. A special shout out though this morning. Check this out. Did you guys know we've got 1,400 men that have been joining us every week from Allendale Correctional Facility uh, in Allendale, and we want to welcome y'all. Let's welcome them as a church. Uh, thank y'all for joining us. I heard some of the story of what God's doing, and we'll share it with you guys as a church at some point, but we're proud of you guys for pressing in and uh, being a part of our, our church family. It's pretty, pretty cool and exciting to be a part of it. I want to ask you a question as we open, uh, and it's not a trick question, so you can, you can raise your hand if you're with me, but how many of you would like for the year 2016 to be your best year that you've had yet? Would you enjoy that if it was? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be awesome. I'm hoping for that. I'm believing for that. And, and I'll make a bold statement. I believe that 2016 can be our best year, but only if it's our best year spiritually. Uh, I, I don't think we can control some of the circumstances that may or may not happen to us. We can't necessarily control whether financially our stocks are gonna go up or down or it's gonna be a good year. And some of us, uh, no doubt, will face circumstances that we weren't hoping to face this year. But I believe if we have the best year of our lives spiritually, that we can have our best year ever. And so we're in a series right now where we're just imagining together what that might look like. What would it look like for us to, to really grow spiritually, to have our best year spiritually? And we're talking about four priorities that we believe we all need to have if we're going to grow into who God's called us to be this year. And the first one, Greg talked about it last week, uh, finding, our, uh, finding God. Um, and and you know, we, we realized that, and he talked about the only way to find God truly is, is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we live in a very pluralistic society that would have all kinds of different definitions for God, but we believe that if we're gonna have our best year, it's gonna start with a relationship with Jesus Christ and a hunger to grow and find God and worship. This week, I wanna talk to you about the second uh, value, priority that we need to have. And if we're gonna have the best year this year, we're gonna have to grow in our faith. I, I would guess that most of us wanna grow in our faith. That's why you're here today and uh, it's been amazing here and at the campuses here in January. We've just been seeing record numbers of people coming in. And I think it's a statement of us going, you know what, we're here. Uh, some of us may be here because we're looking to meet a, a, a date. And, you know, some of us were dragged here. And that's okay. We're glad you're here for whatever reason. But most of us would like to grow spiritually. We'd like to grow in our faith this year. But that can be kind of a challenging process. Where do you start? I mean, there's a lot of different ideas out there and things that you can do and things that people want you to do. Some of us actually start in the negative because we just come at it from a place of guilt. We feel like God doesn't think we're good enough or strong enough where we're at, and we just need to change these things because we're not good enough. That's, that's no way to grow in our faith. I, I want to I talk about what it might look like for us to grow in our faith this year. Reminds me of when Lisa, my wife, first told me that, that she was pregnant. It was back in 2006, and I had been out running some errands, and I came home, and she meets me at the door, and she's got kind of this smile on her face, and she hands me this, this pregnancy test, which I had never handled one of those before, and, I was like, oh, you know, and it had two lines on it, and I'm, I'm confused. I have no idea what this is about. I'm like, I know we're probably pregnant because she's like beaming and excited, and I figured two lines, we're having twins? We're having twins, yes! That'll be awesome! No, 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 that's, that's not how it works. We're not having twins. <coughs> you don't know that at this point. And so that began a journey for me of realizing how much I didn't know about 
raising kids and having a family. I found myself a couple of weeks later in a Babies R Us with some little gun, you know, registering for all these things that we needed. Um, and, and I had learned from when we did that when we got married that the best way to do that, especially men, divide and conquer. Because I didn't, I didn't want to have to get permission for everything that I registered for. I just wanted to shoot that gun on as much cool things as I could find. And so I think I registered for like 12 tubes of Boudreaux's butt paste just because I thought that is, that's some good, good branding right there. That is solid. Um, and, and then, you know, you have these books, the 10,000 baby names. It's like, okay, I'm supposed to find my child's name, like from this book of 10,000. It's just overwhelming experience for me. Then I get to the labor and delivery portion, and you know, I'll spare you the details, but it was just it's crazy. We had gone through Lamaze class and all that to learn this is how it's going to go, and it did not go that way. We found ourselves um, in some hazmat suit going into the operating room for this emergency C-section. Uh, no idea what to do, you know, and, and, and then they get this baby out. He, he'd been stuck in, in the birth canal, and so when they pulled him out, he had this cone head. And I go, and I, I look at him, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Where is he from? Like what? Like no, seriously, call off the visitors. Babe. We can't have anybody see. Did, did we register for hats? We need hats. I don't know what is going on here, but this is not good. Not good. Thankfully, his head kind of rounded out, so we got that, that worked out. But um, three days later, the nurse wheels us out to the car and, you know, gets us in our car and, and waves and says, good luck with that. Hope you have a good time. You know, and I'm like, what do I do? You know, I'm driving like 14 miles an hour with this little child in the, you know, the, the car seat and just freaking out about what, what, what do I do? How do I do this? Where do I start? I know that I have goals for my kids long-term. I'd love to see them grow up and, you know, love God and be healthy and, and, you know, hopefully discover their purpose in life and make a difference here and, and get a scholarship to college prayerfully. You know, I'd like that to be taken care of and uh, some other way than me doing it, but I knew kind of generally some things I wanted to happen, but where do I start? You know, what do we do? The first thing I did is called mom and dad on the way home, get over to our house. We don't know what we're doing. We need help. But, but growing spiritually can feel similar. You know, we want to grow up. We, we, we have a picture of what we want to look like, what, what we want our relationship with God to be like, but, but where do I start? What do I do? Well, thankfully, Jesus didn't make it all that complicated. You know, there's all kinds of scripture that we could have uh, looked at this weekend and talking about growing our faith and uh, all kinds that would have been fantastic. But there's this one metaphor that Jesus gave in John chapter 15 that I feel like it just so well summarizes and clarifies what would it look like for us to, to grow in our faith this year. And here's my New Year's goal, one of them. Instead of just going through another year, going through the motions, what if we grow through another year? That in, in January of 2017, who knows what might happen this year? what circumstances we might face, but, but one thing we, we can guarantee ourselves that we'll, we look at ourselves in January of 2017 and go, That's, that person has grown up from where they were in January of 2016. They're closer to God, they're, they're, they're more developed, they're more shaped into the, the Christ follower that, that God's calling them to be. I'd love for that to be the case for us. You know, at Seacoast, we, we love helping people find God through Christ. I mean, that, that drives us, but man, as one of your pastors, we don't want you to stay there. That's a starting point. When you, when you develop a relationship with Christ, it's a starting point. And we want to see all of us grow up in our faith. So let's look at it. The first thing I think we can learn in this scripture is not going to be shocking to you. Uh, if we're going to grow in our faith this year, we have to first grow in God. Grow in God. What do I mean by that? Look at the passage. This is Jesus talking. 
and he's talking to his disciples, and he has recently told them that uh, he's going to die. You know, he's, he's laid out the plan for them. And, and so he, he comes to them with this powerful, simple metaphor. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, will grow, they'll, they'll produce fruit. And then he says it again at the close there, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You may wanna circle that phrase. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That may be the most powerful uh, nugget of scripture that we could have going into this year to just recognize and know that apart from Christ, we're not gonna be able to do anything not going to be able to grow. I know you're thinking, man, this is pretty basic, Josh. If you want to grow in your faith, get close to God. I get it. I get it. But if you're like me, when when I began to to think about my goals for the year and how I wanted to grow spiritually, it began for me with a lot of lists of things that I was going to do. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to be in church more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to serve more. I'm going to love more. I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to I'm going to spend more time. I'm going to and it, I realized, man, this is all about me. This is all about things that I'm going to do. And and all of those are very important things. Don't hear me wrong, but but they're not the starting point. See, the starting point is this metaphor. I'm the the vine, and you're the branches. I've got a camellia tree with me, and this is a pretty healthy camellia tree. And, and it's just a powerful visual of Jesus saying, hey, before you get on to anything else, just know that apart from me, you can do nothing. And we get that in nature. Like if I pluck this leaf off of this um, tree, how many of you know that it doesn't matter how much willpower this leaf has, how much watering it does, how many books it reads, how much sunlight it gets, the moment this leaf detaches itself from that plant, it's, it's dead. It's not going to grow. It doesn't look like it right away. You, you can't tell immediately, but, but given enough time, we know this leaf is gonna turn brown and it's gonna be crunchy and it's gonna be dead. That's just what happens. We get that. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, disciples, followers of me, just know before you go anywhere further, apart from me, you're, you can't do anything. Whatever you do, don't detach from this relationship with me. Stay connected to Christ. See, for us to think that we're going to make growth happen in our life this year, apart from the power of God and the work of Christ, is as ridiculous as thinking that leaf is going to grow on its own. It just can't happen. Well, what do you have on your agenda this week? Are you raising kids, trying to figure out how to make the right choices and how to love them and train them up in the way they should go? You stand no chance doing that apart from the direction and the connection to Christ. Are, are you in sales maybe? You got a big meeting this week. You're preparing for it. Apart from him, we can do nothing. I, I even looked up the Greek of the word nothing, and it means nothing, like nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Are you trying to ask a girl out this week, figuring out the right way to do it? Apart from him, you can do nothing. <coughs> I want to encourage you to join me in just a prayer that I'm, I'm saying, I'm trying to have the discipline to say every single morning, based on this truth in the year 2016, and it's this. Lord, I'm not gonna go into any meeting, any conversation, or any situation today unless you're going with me. As I open up your word today, as I spend time in prayer today, God, I'm counting on you 
to give me something to, to, from, from, from you, from the vine. I'm, I'm counting on you to give me some, some nutrients that I need to get me through the day today. And if that's wisdom that I need, give it to me through your word. If it's comfort that I need, I'm counting on you to get through it. I don't wanna go into a sales meeting on my own power. I don't certainly wanna go into a, a, a message on the weekend. That's easy for me to, to recognize. This is about him and not me. But even in the small things, even in the day-to-day, apart from you, I can do nothing. Lord, I'm not going in today until I know that you're going with me, until I get something from you to take with me throughout my day. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Maybe for you, uh, kind of as a kickstart to the year, you wanna join us. We're in, as a church, we're in a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We started it this past Thursday, which by the way, if you're new to Seacoast, maybe you're here for the first time this weekend, join us for 18 more days of prayer and fasting. It's not about uh, hitting a number or a guilt or any of that, but it's about us posturing ourselves to say, God, before we go into this year, we wanna start just with a strong connection to you. So the fast is about removing anything that might be an obstacle, but the prayer every single morning on Monday through Thursdays uh, here at the church, I know at the Mount Pleasant campus, and there's a different schedule probably at every campus, and your campus pastor can tell you, but we're opening up our, our week by coming here at 6 a.m. in the morning. Is God awake at 6 a.m.? I wasn't sure, but he is awake. We were here this past Thursday. Man, we had several hundred people come in and several hundred more join us online. And then on Saturdays, we're doing it at nine o'clock. And uh, it was so cool. Brought our kids out. Several hundred again came on Saturday at nine. And, and we prayed together. We walked around the perimeter of our building and prayed for our church, prayed for our families. And just a powerful way of saying, God, I'm starting this year connecting to you. Uh, I wanna make a connection with you. So I'd encourage you, you don't have to come every day. Uh, it, no one's judging anybody on it, but try to make it, try make it out. Uh, Monday morning, what about starting your week, work week off just in prayer and fasting? We'll have a worship team and we're also putting it online as well so you can live stream it at Seacoast. But we cannot grow our faith this year apart from growing in God. Second thing that we can learn, and you're not gonna like it as much as you like the first one, grow through pruning. We have to grow through pruning. Oh, that doesn't sound fun. You guys ever heard the phrase, the honeymoon is over? You know, it's a phrase obviously talking about a couple relationship and that moment where things kind of get hard and you have to work through some problems together. I remember for me, uh, on our third night of the actual honeymoon, Lisa and I got married back in 2001. We went on a cruise and um, we did not live together before we married. You know, this, this is all new for us. And so for 24 hours a day, uh, you know, every day we were together on this cruise. We were spending every waking hour, every sleeping hour together. And on night three, we were at dinner and we were just enjoying a nice, peaceful, quiet dinner. We weren't talking much. We were just kind of enjoying our, our company. And I'm thinking, man, this is heaven. This is amazing how we can just like connect without even having to really talk. And about halfway through dinner, I looked up and noticed that my brand new wife was sobbing at the table across from me. I'm like, what did I say? I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. What, what? I don't understand what's going on, what's wrong? And she said, Josh, we've married for three days and we've already run out of things to talk about. Like, <laughs> what's the rest of our life gonna be like, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And see, I, I had been very accustomed to going through an entire meal as a single man without speaking to anybody. It was kind of nice at times. <laughs> but uh, I learned that in my new relationship, in my new marriage, there were some parts of the old way of living that we're gonna need to adapt a little bit for a new way of living. And that was the first of many, 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 many pruning conversations that Lisa and I have had. And I'm the one that does most of the uh, pruning. She's had to prune some too, but, but it's, it's a part of growing together. And, and a lot of couples 
don't realize that those first moments of intense fellowship are opportunities to actually grow. And so, so Jesus gives us this picture and says, man, uh, the father is going to prune. He says, remain in me. But then in verse two and three, he says, he cuts off every branch um, <coughs> of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. He says, you've already been pruned and purified by this message that I've given you. See, God is going to prune us. If we're going to grow in our faith, if we're going to get closer to the Father, there are going to be these moments where he cuts some things away. He says, you know what? In, in this new relationship with me, there are some parts of your old mentality, some parts of your old way of living that, you know, while they were, maybe they worked for you prior to that, in this new journey, the way of Jesus, there are going to be some things that uh, I'm going I'm to prune over time. And, and he doesn't always prune them all at once. Uh, sometimes he does, but he, he, he just lovingly and gently prunes us. And I, I want to illustrate it in this way. This is, um, uh, I, I told you this is a camellia tree over on this side. Any guesses on what this one might be on this side? This is also a camellia tree. It's actually the same exact type of camellia tree. And obviously it's a younger tree and it's not quite as healthy as the other one. And what happens, and we all get this in nature, is that there's some pruning that needs to happen in order for this tree uh, plant to become healthy and grow into all that it needs to be. And sometimes God cuts away a couple different things. The first thought uh, about pruning is that he'll cut away some things that just need to die. There's some things that need to die. It could be a dead branch. In this case, like you got this big old branch right here. Um, it's, a, it's a big one and it's not producing, there aren't any buds on it. And um, it's actually taking a whole lot of uh, life and nutrients from this tree. It's a little bit overgrown. And so there are some things that just, just need to go. And so God may, may prune some things and say, hey, it just, that just needs to die. It, it needs to go away. It could be an old way of thinking. It could be a habit an addiction that maybe you've carried in and, and, and as you're growing in your faith, as you're connecting to the vine, a loving father is gonna go, you know what, that's not good for you. That unforgiveness, that's, that's not good. We, we can't take that into this next leg of this journey because I have a vision for your life. I have a vision for, for you growing up and producing much fruit. And in order to do that, the father is gonna lovingly cut some things away that just need to die. Is there anything in your life that needs to die? Just maybe a part of an old way of thinking? Anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, a habit? And because God loves you, and because God has a vision for your life to produce fruit, he's not pruning you because he's mad at you. In fact, if God's messing with you, if he's pruning you, he's paying you the utmost compliment. Because what he's saying is two things. He's saying, one, I like what I see in you. I only prune the branches that are bearing fruit. I, I like what I see in you, but I've got even more for you. I, I want to take you to a whole nother level. And so if God's pruning some things, it's not because he's mad at you. It's not because he hates you. It's because he loves you and he has a plan and a vision for your life. Let's be open to the pruning of God. Sometimes it's not just the things that need to die. Sometimes there are actually good branches uh, that are producing fruit. But in order to get even the best, like this one here even has a flower on it. I'll, I'll do this one. This one's got a little little bud of a flower and it's, it's producing fruit and it's, it's, it's not a bad branch, it's not a dead branch, but it's not the best branch. And in order to get the best, in order for this plant to grow up and to, to be the best, virtually every branch is ultimately going to have to be cut off, but he prunes some things that are even good things, but they're so that we can get better, we can grow into even better things. Now think about the fast. 
It's kind of what we do when we fast. It's not about saying, God, I'm going to give up, you know, heroin this week. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's about going, God, you know, what do you want me, what might be a good thing, but that just needs to go away for a season. Like for me right now, I'm fasting the television. Television, it's not a, it's a neutral thing. It can be good. It can be bad. You can use it for good things. You can use it for bad things. But I felt like going into the year, God was saying, hey, I need you to cut this away for a season. And as you do that, I want you to redirect the resources and the time that you would normally put there and, and put it towards some more productive things. One of my goals this year is to read through the Bible in a year. I do that every couple of years. I don't do it every year. Uh, it's a lot of reading and it's, it's an intense goal and I want to get through it. And so cutting away the TV just allows a little bit of time for me to, to focus in. And instead of watching a morning show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time in God's word and, and really get into it and redirect those resources. Now, God and I made a deal uh, at the beginning that uh, Monday night there's a national championship game and <laughs> potentially some key football games that may get watched, but that's between me and God. Don't judge me for that. <laughs> He's the one that prunes, not, not each other. So, you know, um, <clears throat> but is there a good thing in your life that, that God's saying, you know what, I want you to go to another level. I, I've got a new place for you. And, and for a season, maybe for longer than that, I don't know. Again, God does the pruning, but he's going, hey, it's, it, you're, you're good, but I want you to grow to another level. There's, there's some things I need to cut away in your life. And, and here's the truth about pruning. It never looks good. I mean, have you ever seen like a fully pruned, you know, plant in your yard when you do it? It's like, oh, you know, have you ever had a, y- your wife come out and go, what have you done to my, my trees? You know, it, 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 sometimes it hurts a little bit. It's awkward. But, but it's part of the, the, the growth process. And Seacoast, remember, we want to be a, a church that grows in our faith. You know, often we run from those pruning conversations. They're difficult. They can be hard. Sometimes it's, it's like in a marriage, it's, it's some conflict and even conflict in a, a church or at work. And, and our tendencies to want to run away from that. But go, man, no, let's lean in. Let's embrace the pruning process because God has more for us this year. Third thought about pruning is occasionally there are just seasons for pruning. Occasionally, we go through seasons that require pruning, and we all understand that. Nobody's freaking out that your crepe myrtle's not in full bloom right now. You recognize that it's, it's a season, it's winter, and some trees don't produce in winter. But the same is true for us spiritually. Ecclesiastes talks about the seasons that we go through in life. And, and there are times, and have been in my life, and maybe you're there right now, where you just... You feel distant from God. You don't feel like there's fruit. You're trying to do the right things. And, and it's not always because you've got some hidden sin that, that God hadn't told you about yet, and it's causing you this distance. Sometimes we go through a season where we just feel a little bit more distant. And what's the key when you go through those seasons? Go back to the first point. Stay connected to the source. The worst thing you can do to a crepe myrtle is uproot it during the winter, right? I mean, you stay connected to the source. Press in. Go even further. I think about uh, Proverbs 2 talks about uh, searching for wisdom like a lost treasure. And I think we need to sometimes go in these seasons of winter. We just need to seek God like a lost treasure. Have you ever lost your keys and you got to be somewhere? You know, you don't casually just kind of look through. I don't see them there. You know, when you, when you need your keys to get out the house, you're flipping, cu- you know, cushions over. You're looking in the refrigerator. You're looking in weird places that you might have accidentally. You do whatever it takes. And, and when you're in a winter season of just pruning, just get it, you know, press in even more to God. Stay connected to that vine. Well, we're going to grow through this year. If we're going to, it's going to, we're going to have to grow in God. We have to grow through pruning. A, a final thought on that is that we need to grow with other believers. Grow with other believers. If I've learned anything about growing spiritually over 
the last 18 years or so that I've followed Christ, it's, it's virtually impossible for us to, to grow in our faith alone. Virtually impossible. You can get saved uh, and, and, and meet Jesus alone, obviously through his word, and, and he can draw yourself to him, but it's gonna be really, really hard for you to grow up into maturity alone. In this passage, Jesus gives this very clear illustration, right? And, you know, I, God is the gardener, I'm the vine, you're the branches, remain in me and you'll produce fruit. Be open to the pruning process. But what's interesting to me is that uh, he clarifies, and, and if you have your Bibles, you can read it. I didn't include all of the passages in there, but, but he says, if you wanna remain in me, because that's the next question, right? All right, how do I remain in him? He says, obey my commandments, listen to my words. And if I'm one of the disciples, I'm going, well, which ones? I mean, you've said a lot over the years, Jesus. Which, which, which commandments? And Jesus actually clarifies that in the next passage, John 15 and verse 12. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. And he goes on to talk about the fact that there's no greater love than when someone lays down his life for, some, for, for a friend. And he says, and by the way, you are my friends. You're no longer my servants or slaves, you're my friends. I'm laying down my life for you. And at the end there in verse 17, uh, he, he says it again. He says, this is my commandment. In other words, listen, guys. Listen, listen, listen. I want you to produce fruit. I want you to grow up. I want this to be a movement that, that grows into what it has become today. This is my command. Love each other. Whatever you do, he's talking to his disciples. Don't bail out on each other. Don't turn on each other. It reminds me of <coughs> when um, my brother-in-law lost his father and, and his Ben and his two brothers. I remember sitting at Red Robin because that's where they love to eat and, and my dad, our pastor going, boys, listen, here's the deal. You gotta stay together. Whatever you do, don't turn on each other. You gotta stay together to get through this. And, and Jesus is saying, you're gonna need each other. You're gonna go through seasons where you cannot get through them alone. We gotta experience life in community. There's no way we grow in our faith if we don't. You know, I have a few physical goals this year. Um, uh, I'll share a couple of them with you. One, I, I was inspired by my friend Steve Parker to run one mile every single day this year. That's not like a minimum of 366. Of course, I picked that on a year. It's a leap year. So it's 366 days. It's not a minimum. It's a commitment to every single day getting out there and running. On the days where it's raining, on the days where I don't feel like it, on the days where maybe we've traveled, just having the commitment to do it every single day. And then I also, uh, some other friends of mine, Rich Young uh, and Greg Banks, who are great friends here at this campus, uh, they did 50,000 push-ups last year. And um, I felt their arms at the end of the year, and I thought, man, that sounds awesome. I want to be half the men that they are. So I said 25,000 push-ups is <laughs> what I want to do. And so just some, some physical goals that I'm going after. And I hadn't told anybody about them. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, I was hanging out with my friend, Chris Russo, who's our Columbia campus pastor. And you know, he asked me a little bit about goals and talked to him about some, but I said, physical, here's what I wanna do. I wanna run a mile a day and I wanna do 25,000 pushups. And he said, all right, I love it, I'm in, I'll do it with you. It's like, sweet, let's do it. And then Josh Walters, our campus pastor here, having a conversation with him and he said, hey, I'm in. And Stephen Popovich, the college pastor, John Holm, student pastor Sam Lesky said, hey, I'll go. And I'm like, oh, great, Sammy, he's a big old dude. He's gonna make us all look bad. But now there's about 12 of us that are just, we're doing it together. We're like, hey, that sounds great. Let's set a goal, common goal. Let's do it together. And, and last night at about 10 o'clock, when I hadn't done my mile yet, I picked up my phone and saw everybody had checked in on this group text saying, hey, done it, check. Hey, good job, great job. I'm like, 
All right, here we go. Get on the workout clothes and, and, and hit the pavement because I, I, wanna, I, I need the, the commitment, the accountability, the encouragement from some people who are sharing some same goals. And you guys know what, where I'm going. The same thing is true for us spiritually. We all want to grow. We want to grow into maturity. It cannot happen on your own. This weekend at all of our campuses, we're, we're calling it Connect Weekend. And we just want to make it very easy for you to connect into a small group. At Seacoast for 28 years, that's been a value for us. If you only come on the weekends, uh, I'm telling you, you're welcome. We love you. We're grateful for where you are in the journey. But you have not yet experienced Seacoast Church to its fullest if you haven't connected into a small group. Because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where real growth happens. That's where kind of those pruning conversations can get get real for us. And I just want to encourage you, don't do it alone. You never know when you're going to need that community to get you through a rough season. It's been about actually a year ago today uh, that our family dealt with a very significant loss. Um, A friend of ours named Robbie Robinson, and I actually talked to the church about it that weekend, uh, cried my way through the message, but he had a heart attack, died suddenly. And um, just a good friend, Robbie, uh, he was basically a second father figure to Lisa. Uh, And when she grew up, uh, she grew up around their home, and so he would hang out and teach her some things. And, and Robbie was like the kindest person I've ever met. When I married Lisa, I married into the family and Robbie taught me how to wakeboard and uh, he loved adventure. Um, he was a pilot and so he had a lot of sky miles. Him and his wife, Diane, they traveled a lot. They went to the Caribbean, snorkeled and skied in the mountains. And in fact, I've never bought snorkeled gear or uh, ski gear because Robbie's about my size and so he would always let me borrow his stuff. And just the most generous kind, he would show up to the house with gifts for the kids all the time, unexpectedly. I'd see him at church and just uh, such a great guy. And like that, he was gone. Diane, man, especially his wife, uh, just a devastating blow. Her best friend, um, her soulmate, they're getting ready to go into retirement season. And just, you know, all of a sudden, um, Robbie was gone and it it devastated us. It was such a challenging year. You know, I, I was talking to Diane a couple weeks ago. She came over to the house and just asking her, hey, how are you doing? Like, how how are you doing really? And she said, Josh, obviously it's been a a really hard year, but here's what I'll tell you. There is no way I would be where I am today if it weren't for my community at Seacoast. So what do you mean by that? And she she and Robbie were part of a small group. They were part of, they called it a supper club. And she said, that group has continued to invite me and I've hung out and they've cried with me and prayed with me and got me through some things. But I also realized I needed some extra help And so she joined a small group that we offer at many of our campuses called Grief Share that just, you know, offers help through processing these difficult situations where you've lost a loved one. And she said, Josh, I did not want to go. And the reality is nobody does. Nobody chooses that um, season of life. But, But she went, she connected with some people and it impacted her so much last winter that she did it again in the fall. And uh, I got a text from Diane, this is really cool, yesterday on the anniversary of, of her husband's death. And she said, Josh, I just walked out of training. I'm gonna be a, a leader in grief share during this winter. Do you think Diane grew in her faith last year? She did, she grew through community. And I love that because we never know. And, and who knows what circumstances we're gonna face but, face, but in community together with other believers, we can grow up in our faith. I wanna encourage you if you're not in a group, to, to do it this, this weekend. If not now, then when? We have small groups for married couples and men and women and singles, professionals, small groups that meet over lunch at work. We have small groups for 
people who are going through grief or divorce or loss, struggling with addiction. We have small groups for people who want to get their finances in order. We have financial peace that's starting back up. We have all kinds of great opportunities to plug in, get connected in community because we want to grow up. We want to be a church that's fully mature. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to connect to God, stay connected to Him, embrace those pruning seasons, and grow in community with other believers. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I thank you for just the simplicity of your word. God, you could have given us, Jesus, 10,000 steps that we need to take to grow up into maturity. God, but for each of us, we're on this journey, we're on this path, and I thank you that you've given us just a simple metaphor. God, we want to grow in our faith this year. For some of us, God, that means we just need to come to a knowing, saving relationship with you through your son, Jesus. And I pray that you would just do that by the power of your spirit this weekend. Draw those that need to make that decision to yourself. God, I thank you for the fact that you're a loving uh, father who prunes us when we need it. You know what's best for us. And I just pray, Lord, that we would embrace that process. We'd be willing to repent of sin. And God, I pray that any one of us that's walking through this life alone right now, without the community, the power of community around them, that you would just allow us to connect with some people who help us grow in this journey, that we would glorify you and honor you this year and grow in our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.